The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy, nutritional therapist. And I'm Madeline Hewitt. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD, and welcome to our show today. Last week, if you were on the show, you would have heard Lucy and Madeline talking all about cravings, and we heard rave reviews of that show, so if you've not heard it, we recommend you go back and listen to that one. And addressing cravings, it's so important if you want to permanently clean up your diet. And we so often hear people say that they're able to stay on their new eating program for a certain amount of time, like maybe a few weeks. And then maybe they lost weight and they felt so much better, but then they fell off somehow. And maybe they say it was a holiday, maybe a trip, maybe that they just missed eating the desserts and chips and popcorn and couldn't sustain the deprivation any longer. And so often it's just one incident, maybe just a taste of a food that leads to all-out reversal of that good diet. And sometimes people justify that they can just have just one piece of cake. And then maybe they say things like, well, I just haven't had this for a long time. And it's just one small piece of cake, just this one time. Because after all, it's a special birthday or graduation or a baby shower or an anniversary or maybe a special trip or a promotion. And so many reasons that people have to justify eating sugar or chips or any of these processed foods. But unfortunately, just that one taste can easily lead to another taste the next day and the next, and then, and then soon it's every meal, and then it's between meals, and then it can go on here for years. And this might seem kind of extreme, but we actually have had a number of people in our nutrition classes tell us this experience was their experience. And one person in particular, she said in the nutrition class, um, as we were just checking in when the, when the whole series was starting, and she said, you know, I was really eating well for quite a, a long time, maybe about four months, and I just felt so much better. I had so much better energy. And then for some reason, I just, I don't know, I don't know, I just, I started eating poorly. And that was about five years ago. And I asked her, now, if, can you think back about what that was? What, what was the change that made that happen for you? And she kind of thought and she said, you know, I think it was, I, I just, I went on a trip and I went on the trip and just thought, well, I'm on a vacation, so I can just eat what I want. But then when she came home, she just kind of continued that eating. And then it went on for five years before then she found herself right here in the nutrition series, wanting to get herself back on track. And 
So this this wasn't just her, but we've heard that same type of a story from another number of people. And so hopefully for you, you've learned lots of good information last week about addressing the cause of your cravings, which is most often just simply poor brain chemistry. And simply removing sugar from your diet is just not enough. So I, I really think most people, we just started a new series the other night, and I asked the group, and I said, now, doesn't it seem like everybody in here pretty much knows what foods are healthy for you and what foods aren't healthy? And they kind of laughed because, well, yeah, everybody in the room knew that. They know, in general, you know, sugar and processed foods aren't good for you. You know that whole foods are going to be good for you. But then you go, well, then why are you in the nutrition class? Someone can tell you which foods are healthy. And no, that's not what the answer is because it's, it's more complex than that. And that just simply removing sugar, having somebody say, go, you go to a class or maybe you go to a dietitian or a nutritionist and they say, okay, for you, you need to remove sugar from your diet. And you're sitting there going, okay, this isn't new information for me. Like, I already know that. And if it was that easy, I would have done it before. Or you think, well, I've already tried that numerous times, and then all I ever do is I just go right back onto it. So it's it's not that simple just to say, okay, let's all learn that we should remove sugar from our diets. That That, that isn't where it's at. And because if you do that, if you just decide, okay, tomorrow or you go, most people don't start on Saturday. You say, okay, on Monday, I'm going to take sugar out of my diet. Most people that's not going to work well for. And most people are going to feel deprived and incomplete from doing that. And they can handle it for a short period. And short period meaning maybe three or four hours, maybe some people a week, maybe some people a few months. But people cannot do that on a permanent basis, such as can you do that for the rest of your life? And so the key here is to satisfy your brain chemistry so that you no longer need sugar to feel complete and satisfied. And I can just hear some of you out there thinking, well, you know what, it's not sugar that I go for. I don't really ever care for desserts or sugary foods. And you're thinking that this doesn't apply to you. But ask yourself, how about bread for you? Bread or pasta or crap crackers or chips or cereal and toast? Even if you say, well, no, I just only eat that whole grain. I eat, I eat wheat bread on my sandwich. Um, or maybe you even eat sprouted grain bread. That really is no different. Maybe it has a few more nutrients than white sugar, but once that's digested and broken down, all of those foods turn into sugar into your bloodstream. And so in terms of just thinking about blood sugar, they're no different from just eating the sugar itself. And so bread and pasta, crackers, sugar, it all satisfies your brain receptors the same way that sugar does. So hopefully you've learned a lot of good information last week on that show on how to get your brain receptors satisfied through improving your neurotransmitters. And um, I, I believe Lucy and Madeline talked about those in the neurotransmitters, meaning serotonin and dopamine, which when, you're, when your body has those, you really, really feel good. 
And then also improving the amino acid status of your brain. So we think of anybody that's working on improving their diet and anybody that says, well, I have these food cravings. I keep going back to processed foods and sugars. What you want to think about is improving the status of your neurotransmitters and the amino acids. And Lucy and Madeline went into those specific ways of doing that last week on the show. And once you learned how to do that, then you don't need willpower and you don't need great strength to eat a healthy diet that you would actually choose. So just imagine yourself if your, if your brain receptors are satisfied and you really felt this general sense of well-being, you feel good about yourself and you're not having these highs, you're not having lows, you just feel really good and stable. Um, I, I think for most people, you know what kinds of foods you would choose to eat if it wasn't going to be that you're going to pr- push your brain chemistry to feel better. You'd be able to make better choices on a daily basis and make those choices permanently. Now, today, we expand on that topic, and we're going to ask you, uh, do you think that you should eat five or six times a day, or do you think maybe you should eat once a day? How about three times a day? And have you heard that people should eat five to six times a day to keep your metabolism up? I'm thinking that people have probably heard that before. And I'm wondering, do you know what is that based on? Is it true? And have you tried that? And does it work for you? Call us and join our show with your comments and questions about how many meals to eat throughout the day. And tell us your experience. Here's the number. Call one 866 472-5792. The sponsor of our show today is the company called A Major Difference. And the company A Major Difference, they make the Ion Cleanse machine for detoxification. And I'd like to point out that they have a new book written by Dr. Bob Maroney, who was the founder of the company. And the book is called Total Body Detoxification. And I have the book, and I've read it, and I find find that the book was extremely well done. You know, some of these books, I think, are really hard to read and super technical, or sometimes they're just poorly written, or, or they have information that's incorrect in there, or vague information. I don't think that's the case at all for this book. And instead, I, I highly recommend it for anybody that's listening to this radio show, because it includes lots of do-it-yourself methods of detoxification. And you'll get a great education on that whole topic of detoxification. And the book also tells the compelling story of Dr. Maroney. And he deals with a deadly cancer diagnosis along with drug and alcohol addictions and more. So his life was really a downward spiral. Um, and he was basically told it was going nowhere and that he only had a very, very short time to live. And, uh, His story is very inspiring, and it shows you the importance of detoxification in all our lives. And if you're interested in the book, you can find it on their website, which is amajordifference.com. So now it's time for that special moment where we're going to dive into our topic and discover some insight on how many times a day we should be eating and why it makes a difference. 
Yes. So timing is a powerful principle in feeling good and having good health and burning fat. And when you eat is often just as important as what you eat. And getting your body into rhythm is a fundamental health principle that will help you solve many problems that you might not even thought are related. So when we eat in the correct rhythm, our health can be drastically improved. Now, last week we did touch on this. We talked about eating eating five or six times a day versus three times a day. But today we're going to expand on that. Now, I'm sure all of you hear all the time about the importance of snacking. And we hear it in magazines. Magazines will tell you to keep up your metabolism by eating five times a day. Or many health experts will recommend that you graze all day long to prevent your blood sugar from dropping too low. And some of you might be doing these things. Maybe you carry around your food and you take nibbles of food every few hours or even every few minutes throughout the day. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I agree that every magazine you pick up, it says that you should eat every two to three hours to keep your metabolism up and that you're going to burn more calories. But I think anybody of a certain age, if you think back of when you were growing up and your, your mother told you, stop snacking. Uh, you know, you want to be, be able to have your appetite when it was time for dinner. And I think that it's kind of been just recent, maybe the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years or so when all of this information has been coming out about that maybe you should just be eating pretty much throughout the day and grazing. Is that right, Lucy? Yep, that that is right. And they'll also tell us that we want to be grazing grazing to stave off ca- cravings. Mm-hmm. And so what we really want to see is this correct or not so correct. And really it's it's kind of a two-way answer. Now your body has an amazing way to regulate blood sugar all on its own and prevent the blood sugar from every ever dropping too low. So that and would mean that you shouldn't really have to eat every 2 hours to keep your blood sugar up if that's already built into your body. That's right. And in fact, our bodies are designed to thrive by going five or six hours between meals. So when we don't eat snacks, we actually have better health, better energy, better moods, less cravings if our body is working how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I think that's a good point about when you say if if that's how it's supposed to work because now since I think so many people have been snacking so much and eating so many tiny meals that their body seems to not be able to go long periods and they actually crash. Is that something you see, Lucy? Yep, I do. And so that's why where when we hear about snacking, that's where most of us are, where we actually do need to snack to prevent that low blood sugar. But today we're going to talk about how to start to eat less often throughout the day and be able to go these longer periods without eating. Now, so when is, I, there some, is there some reason we would want to go for long periods without eating? Yeah, well, that's what we're jumping into now. So first of all, there's two pain, cre- there's two hormones that regulate blood sugar. And let's talk about both of these first. Insulin and glucagon. These are two hormones that are secreted from the pancreas. 
insulin comes first. So insulin's message is to store. So now we're talking about this is how our bodies are supposed to work, and this is how we should be able to go those longer periods between food. So insulin gets secreted from the pancreas after a meal. So you eat a meal, you digest the food, the food breaks down into various components, some of that food is sugar. It turns into sugar into your bloodstream. So the sugar from your meal enters the bloodstream and your blood sugar rises. And that rise of blood sugar is what signals the release of insulin. And then insulin signals the cells to refuel. They the insulin signals the cells, and this could be a muscle cell or a brain cell, any cell in your body, to take that sugar in and turn it into cellular energy. So that's how we use the food that we eat and turn it into energy. You mean so then when you eat and some of that food turns into sugar, it's insulin that makes that sugar actually go into your cells so your cells can use it? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So insulin has a very useful message. It allows us to get energy and produce energy from the food that we're eating. And in this case, we're going to talk about if we weren't overeating, we, we, we didn't eat too much sugar, we didn't eat too much food, and we're not diabetic and we're not insulin resistant. Um, now, ideally, once you mean, we so eat that, that would food, just be kind of a normal person, you mean? Well, it would be the ideal normal. This would be the way that our bodies want to function. Okay. Yeah. Now, ideally, that sugar from the food, about 40% of that goes into the tissues and becomes converted into energy, but that other 60% of the blood sugar goes to your liver and gets stored as glycogen. And some of that glycogen, that also goes into your muscles, doesn't it? It does. Yep. It goes into your muscles or your liver, and this is fuel for the body to use later. So now here we're coming up to why our bodies are able to go longer periods without food. It has this fuel stored away for later. So kind of like a little bit of a, a, a food in your purse or suitcase. Exactly. You have, you have it in your liver and you have some of this in your muscles. So then when you don't have food around, you should be able to take it out of your liver and muscles and burn it. Is that right? Yep, that is absolutely right. Now, it looks like we're coming up to a break. So when we return from the break, we're going to continue this discussion and see what happens after the insulin does its job. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and 
who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine. Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Goller will help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And today, just right before the break, we were talking about how insulin works in the body. And insulin's job is to store sugar for making energy in the cells and also for fuel for the body to use later. So you can kind of picture insulin as a little taxi that goes around and it picks up this blood sugar. when we After we eat, the blood sugar is high and it picks up this blood sugar and carries it to where it's supposed to go. And right after a meal, insulin levels are going to be higher. And then once that sugar starts to go down, once the blood sugar level starts to drop back down to a more of a normal level, insulin Insulin's job is almost done, so insulin level goes down again. Now, let's talk about glycogen again. Glycogen is that stored fuel for the body to use later. And if you looked at a picture of its molecular structure, it looks kind of like this coral with lots of branches spiraling in every direction, and it's made of all of these smaller glucose or sugar molecules. And in its storage form, that's the sugar that we got from the meal. And like I said earlier, it's stored in the liver or might be stored in the muscle. Now, I mentioned that there are two hormones that regulate blood sugar. The first was the insulin, and then the second is glucagon. So once the sugar has been deposited into the cells or into the liver or the muscles, insulin goes down. Glucagon is the main hormone that helps a person go five or six hours or longer if needed without needing to eat. And here's how it works. So once insulin levels have gone down, blood sugar levels have returned to normal. This happens about three hours after a meal. And now insulin levels are low. And that tells the pancreas to secrete glucagon, that second hormone. And glucagon signals the breakdown of glycogen into individual glucose molecules. Oh, so that was a mouthful there. So we have this glucagon hormone. It tells the liver or the muscles to start breaking down that stored sugar, that stored glycogen, and secrete it into the bloodstream. And the result is that the blood sugar rises just enough to keep it at its normal or its ideal level and prevent the blood sugar from dropping too low. Now, why would blood sugar even drop lower when insulin levels are low? 
So why would blood sugar drop lower and lower and lower? Isn't, insul- isn't this process supposed to continue working? Well, over time, eventually after a meal, the cells of the body are going to need more fuel to make more energy. So this would be the case in any activity. If you were just living and you were walking around or if you were studying and thinking really hard or if you were exercising. So the more energy you are expending in your daily life, the faster your body would use up the cellular energy it made from the food that you just ate. And then the sooner your cells would need more fuel. So theoretically, you have two options. When your blood sugar starts to drip, drop a little bit lower, you could go eat something. And that's what we're told to do. We're told to go eat something, and that gives our body more fuel. Or ideally, you could let your body access its stored fuel in the form of glycogen. And then soon after, what happens? the body starts to use its stored fat as fuel. So now we see here that we want this glycogen to be secreted into the bloodstream. We want to be able for our body to use this stored fuel because once the stored fuel is gone, our body can now start to burn fat. And that's where the fat burning happens. Now, there's something else that happens here. As glycogen, that's the stored sugar, as glycogen is broken down into blood sugar, the liver's store of glycogen becomes depleted, and the liver is now available to do other things, like metabolize toxins. So not only are we having even blood sugar levels, but we also are able to burn fat and metabolize toxins. So here are the three things that happen when we eat less frequently and the body is working as it's supposed to be working. So first, the blood sugar is stable. Without insulin and glucagon working in perfect balance, blood sugar levels would rock up and down, up and down. So we see that if the body gets used to getting all its fuel from fuel or from food, It will no longer be able to efficiently use glycogen as fuel. So if we continuously just feed the body food instead of let it, it do its own job of accessing that stored food, it forgets how to do that. And eventually, we aren't able to even get that stored fuel anymore. And that's when the blood sugar starts to drop lower than it's supposed to be dropping. And then we must not go longer between meals. So if our blood sugar is dropping too low, we feel terrible. And then we end up overeating. And then when we overeat, our blood sugar levels are too high. And then we, fe- then we go longer between a meal. And then we get overly hungry and have low blood sugar. So this is a cycle that can continue. Yeah, and that point about you saying when your blood sugar drops and then people end up overeating, sometimes it's overeating excess food and sometimes they'll, th- th- this will be people that say, oh, I just had a few 
uh, M&Ms. And, you know, it's really not a large quantity of food, but it's something that's going to spike that blood sugar back up there, even though it's not a large quantity. So it's easy to think, well, I'm not overeating. I'm just having a few pieces of chocolate, or I'm just having one small piece of cake, or I just had one small little box of popcorn. Is that right, Lucy? It doesn't really take yeah. a lot to go and spike your blood sugar back up again. That's right. Yes. And when it's those sugary things, it is very easy to spike the blood sugar up again. But really, we also want to know that every time that we eat food, insulin is going to be secreted. So every time we eat any food, even if it's a small amount, like say we have a few grapes when we're grocery shopping, then um, blood sugar goes up slightly. But but it does seem to be more common that we see people snacking on just little sugary things here and there. And also that's where when people talk about we need to keep our blood sugar even to prevent cravings and we need to eat often to prevent cravings, that's what happens here as well. So you're, you're having these cravings for these sugary things between meals. But that's not really true that you need to eat often to make cravings go away, is it? No, that is not true. So once your body is able to go longer between meals and once it's able to keep its blood sugar stable all on its own, you aren't going to be having those cravings from low blood sugar. So now first, we talked about the reason we want to eat infrequently is because the blood sugar is stable. And then second... Fat burning is turned on and fat storage is turned down. So if you end up eating within four hours of the previous meal, there wouldn't be a need for the body to use its stored fat as fuel. And because it's getting its fuel from the incoming food, it's going to keep that fat stored in the fat cells and it's going to keep the glycogen in the liver sitting there. Now, at the same time, insulin is elevated due to rising blood sugar from the meal. So if you ate too soon after your last meal or you ate a few M&Ms or a bag of popcorn, insulin is elevated because there's too much blood sugar. And what was insulin's message? It was to store. And it stores more glycogen into the liver and converts excess sugar into fat. Now, third, the liver is now available to process toxins when we go longer between eating. And if you eat too often and don't allow the liver to rid itself of stored glycogen, then it won't have the resources available to process everything else that it's either storing right now or that's being filtered through. So what you're really talking about is that if you eat a three meals a day or basically you're not eating every two hours, you, you leave maybe five or six hours in between uh, your meals. If you're, so that's kind of like saying if you eat three meals a day, three things should happen. If, if everything is going right in your body, your blood exactly. sugar should remain stable. You should be able to burn fat and your liver should be able to detoxify. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. So if we're not doing that and we're eating many times a day and often what people are eating is things like candy and popcorn, um, you don't get stable blood sugar, you're not burning fat, and you're not detoxifying. So those would be three really good reasons to consider cutting down on the idea of eating every two hours. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And when we're talking about going long between meals, it's not going eight or nine or 10 hours between a meal and fasting for the whole day. It's going five hours or so or six hours. So you think back when people ate lunch at noon and then they went home and they had dinner at six o'clock. And like Jeannie was talking about in the middle, people didn't do lots of snacking between those hours. Now, let's look at another aspect of timing. So we've talked about eating every five or six hours versus every two or three. But another part is not going to bed on on a full stomach. So instead, eating two or three hours before bed, instead of eating right before bed, you have your big dinner right before you go and lie down. And also... Or we'll just stick with that one first, and then we'll have another one coming up. But sleep is a prime metabolic time. So this is when your body burns a higher portion of fat for fuel, and it works on the detoxification. Now, that wouldn't happen, though, if you went to bed with a big stomach full of food. Exactly. Yep, because your body now during the night is going to be lying there and working to process just the food that you had, and it's not going to be expending a lot of energy. So it's not going to be needing to access the stored glycogen and empty out the liver if it's focusing on your meal instead. So then this idea of not eating before bed, I think that oftentimes people think you shouldn't eat in the evening because you're just going to get fat, that everything you eat at dinner is going to be turned into fat. But that sounds like that's not necessarily what the issue is here, that more of what the issue is, is that that food will be um, digested at night and your liver is going to be busy. Everything's going to be busy digesting instead of doing the detoxification, which is so necessary for your body. Yep, that's right. Yeah, and then you wake up in the morning and your liver is still full of um, whatever it needed to be working on overnight. And and you're puffy. Yep, you're puffy and you're not hungry and you feel sluggish. So that's a big reason. The detoxification is a reason to eat by 7 p.m. about and then go to bed three hours later. So remember back to our discussion, though, about the insulin and the glycogen, that about four hours after a meal, that fat burning kicks in. So we talked about after a meal, insulin is secreted to move the blood sugar out of the bloodstream, and then blood sugar levels return to normal, glycogen is stored, And then about three hours after that meal, the fat burning will kick in. The stored glycogen is used up and fat is now used as fuel. So imagine if you finished your dinner at 7 p.m. and went to bed at, say, 10 p.m. That means you're burning fat all night long while you're sleeping and your body is consuming fat from about 11 p.m. or so to 6 a.m. Now, what do you mean your body's consuming fat? Well, remember that the first sugar available in the blood must be consumed. So once you eat, that sugar in the blood needs to be consumed first. It either goes into the cells to create energy or it goes into the liver or the muscles to create stored glycogen. Oh, you mean so your body's burning fat. Exactly. Yep. So then the stored fat can be consumed for fuel. 
Mm-hmm. So and I think continues. that a lot, I think a lot of people think that you're only doing fat burning when you're doing some sort of, um, exercise program and that that's kind of the only time when you burn fat is when you're exercising. And something that it looks like what we can see here is that actually when your stomach is empty and your body switches into that mode of being able to access the glycogen from your muscles and your liver and then also access your body fat, that that's when you're fat burning. And so it, that's many, many hours of the day. If you have an empty stomach between those meals, you would be fat burning. So that'd be an empty stomach between breakfast and lunch. You should be doing some fat burning. If you have an empty stomach between lunch and dinner, you would be doing fat burning. And then if you've got that going on at night, you'd be doing fat burning. So you would actually expect that most of your fat burning is being done when you have an empty stomach in between meals rather than just that one hour that you're exercising for for um, in, in one day. Is that right? Yep, that's right. So that's really a different outlook on fat burning. Because I it think is. when people hear fat burning, you think the only time really is exercise. You don't think, oh, that's when I'm sleeping. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And then the other part of it is the detoxification. Mm-hmm. And people often think, well, my body's always detoxifying. Or they think, oh, I'm only going to detoxify when I'm on a strict detox protocol. But like I said first, we are always detoxifying, but we want to be able to uh, optimize our body's own ability to do that without needing to do other methods. And one of it is that fasting between meals or not, not eating And so having food constantly being digested really impairs your ability to detoxify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why does that happen? It happens because the food that we eat goes into the liver to be stored for later. It's fuel to be used when we aren't eating, when we're going a long time between meals. And if we constantly eat, that stored fuel isn't going to empty out of the liver. So the liver is going to stay filled up. It's going to stay congested. It's going to be using its resources, enzymes, vitamins and minerals to work on that stored fuel instead of other incoming toxins. Interesting. It is. So it's just amazing. And then, and then when you go to sleep, you get to burn fat as you sleep. So a person in good health and with a body that functions ideally should feel satisfied eating this way. They should feel satisfied eating every five or six hours and leaving about 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. So that person would be able to go to sleep easily without needing a bedtime snack. They wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night needing a snack in order to fall asleep again. And they'd wake up feeling refreshed and hungry, ready to eat. They wouldn't be puffy. Now, we aren't all in the stage where we can eat six hours apart, and we aren't all at the place where we can go to bed without a snack. Some of us really do need that right now, and we've talked a lot about why. It's because we've become too used to eating so often. Our bodies aren't able to 
access the stored fuel. But people feel terrible too, don't they? When some some people, if they try to go six hours apart, what what do they feel like? Yeah, exactly, and that's what I mean by people aren't able to because if they tried to, they would feel terrible and they would feel fatigued, or they would get crabby, or they would have shakiness or cravings. Or have you ever had that feeling where you just can't think straight and you just need to eat and then you know that you could think more more clearly? Those are some signs there that you're not quite ready to go a long time between meals and you still need to have these snacks. But really it's a sign of how out of balance the liver is and the pancreas system is. So we're going to work to get that back into balance again. Oh. Now, you might, so why, why would we be in this stage where we can't access our stored fuel and where we can't eat six hours apart without feeling terrible? So one part is that just because you've been told to eat constantly so that you do eat constantly, or maybe you've been told never to skip a meal, and it looks like it's another break. So when we come back, we're going to continue talking about why this would be happening and what to do about it. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy along with Madeline and Jeannie. And today we're talking about eating three times a day versus grazing throughout the entire day. So why might you be a person who's not able to just eat three times a day? Why might you still need a snack? So we've said that the body is so used to receiving fuel from the food all day that it has trouble accessing its own stored fuel. And also when your body isn't able to access its stored fuel, you just you just cannot go that long without feeling terrible. So after about three hours, your blood sugar starts to drop and you need food right now and you feel like you're starving. So say that this is you, you're the person who's currently eating every two or three hours, or maybe you're someone who has to get up at night and eat something before you can fall back asleep. So how do you start going longer between meals? First step is to eat protein at every meal, especially breakfast. And that's even with the first step too. eat breakfast every day. And most people who don't eat breakfast might not be hungry in the morning. Maybe you just feel full or the thought of food isn't appealing. Um, and this is often because the liver has, is too congested from the evening, from the night of not being able to do its detox work. Or maybe you had too big of a meal the night before and ate too close to dinner time. So then would it help if you cut down on your evening eating so that yeah. you kind of clear all that out so your liver can do detoxing overnight and maybe you'll start to wake up more hungry? Does that yep. work for people? Yes, that is going to help for sure. And what and would you say to somebody who has trouble falling asleep on an empty stomach? Well, I would say that the first part is to eat breakfast and then the second part would be start inching your meals earlier in the evening. So if you have trouble falling asleep without eating a bedtime snack, have a bedtime snack right now and have something small with some fat like one of the Thin Mints. And um, then you slowly work to inch that earlier and earlier. So if right now you're having your snack at 10 p.m., inch it to 9.30 and then 9 So you really don't want to be eating Mm -hmm. carbs at night for sure. Right. Like a piece of fruit before bed would probably not be a good idea. Right, because that's going to just raise your blood sugar up too high and then drop it back down lower, and that's going to wake you up in the middle of the night or keep you from sleeping in the first place. So when you're starting to go longer between meals or – have an earlier dinner, start very slowly and do what works best for you. So right now, if you're eating five times a day, see if you can eat four times a day and have a little bit bigger meals spread out every four hours. But now you do want to avoid going too long between meals. So if you start going four times a day with your eating and you start experiencing those cravings or the the moodiness or you feel terrible, then you have another snack and you know that you're not at that phase yet. So it sounds like the key really, you really need to eat some fat in your meals. I mean, I know you had already mentioned the protein, but um, I think a lot of people are still eating low fat. And so getting up and having something like a cup, a cup of coffee and some low fat yogurt isn't going to work. That you're going to really have to think, I need to eat a breakfast that's going to take me all the way to lunch. 
Is yeah. that right? So something that's going to be um, real blood sugar stabilizing. So maybe even things like bacon and eggs mm-hmm. and um, some great non-starchy vegetables like cooking some spinach into your eggs or a protein shake with plenty of either the nuts in there or some nut oil or maybe some coconut milk um, or sometimes we will put avocado in the shake. But I think that for people to move from eating six times a day to eating three times a day, you're going to have to start packing in more fat, more good fats in your meal. And you're going to find that it really, really stabilizes your blood sugar and holds you for a really quite a long period of time and keeping your focus and concentration up rather than kind of dropping through the bottom and then suddenly needing to have some more coffee and some more sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that what you're talking about, Lucy? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And then if you are having four meals right now, same thing. It doesn't matter how many meals you're having now. You need to have fat at every meal. And that's how you can transition to less meals a day. So do you know you're on the right track then when you have, you've eaten a meal and a couple hours later you actually have an empty stomach and it's growling maybe. You go, hey, I'm kind of hungry, but I still have another meeting at work and a couple other things. I have my drive home. And you could go for another couple hours where you don't feel like you have headaches and you don't feel shaky. You don't feel moody or any of these kinds of things are happening. Um, it sounds like that's really what you should feel like when you have an empty stomach, that if there's yes. any discomfort at all, all it is is that you go, oh, my stomach's empty. And that's exactly. the only discomfort. Yes. Yep. That's the goal that you're trying to reach. So, yes. And a big other way to help this, to help you accomplish this, is to eliminate sugar from your diet. So when you're having that sugar, that raises the blood sugar up really high. And then a few hours later, two two far away from your next meal, your blood sugar is going to plummet back down. And that makes those cravings or feeling terrible and where you just need to eat something. So, and last week we went all into the cravings and what to do about those. Um, But two easy things to do is to, well, one easy thing is to take the Crave Curb. And Crave Curb is a supplement to help eliminate those cravings. And some people find just by taking the Crave Curb, they can already start to go longer between meals. So that Crave Curb is full of amino acids that helps your brain become satisfied. And so if you're wondering, well, you know, what exactly is this thing? This is, this is replenishing amino acids and helping you to make neurotransmitters that fit into those brain receptors that help you make serotonin and and dopamine and feel good. And so this is where if you're trying to just eliminate sugar, like say that you normally eat a lot of sugar for breakfast and then you decide not to and here you are eating eggs and bacon. And for a, a number of people, they feel like something's just really missing and they might even feel a little bit depressed mm-hmm. or um, possibly anxious, a couple of different feelings like that. And they also still just crave this sugar that's where the crave curb comes in that i would really suggest starting that maybe even before you eliminate sugar just get yourself going on the crave curb and get your brain chemistry going and then when you cut out the sugar it won't really feel like it's anything that you miss at all Mm -hmm. yeah it'll be effortless to cut out the sugar 
Yeah. And another thing, when you feel like something might be missing, you might be missing water. You might be dehydrated and just be thirsty, and that's why you're wanting to eat sooner. Um, so an easy way is to just start your morning with a few cups of water, two cups of water, and then continue to drink that throughout the day. Then, now we talk about more into the evening time. So that's sometimes a trouble for people. Like Madeline said, you can't go to bed without having a snack. So inch your last meal of the day earlier and earlier into the evening and be done eating by 7 p.m. eventually. And that goes along with slowly increasing the time between your dinner and breakfast to 12 hours. So you go 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. And this all doesn't happen at once. So you might start where you're aiming to go 10 hours between dinner and breakfast. And then you're having four meals a day, four small meals a day. Every four hours or so you have your meal. Now, as you're transitioning away um, from wait, eating... Wait, I didn't understand that. So you're telling we should eat for every four hours? I'm saying that if you're not at the stage where you can go six hours between eating, okay. then make a decision to set out the times when you're going to eat and make it on your calendar. Put it there that every four hours you're going to eat or whatever you choose. Maybe you choose every five hours you're going to eat so that you're not just going by what your body's saying at that moment or what your cravings are saying. But if you're starting to feel that low blood sugar, then you know that you were going too long between a meal. And do you, should you expect that there's going to be like a period of discomfort when you're inching those times further apart? Yes. Or should it feel easy to do that? No, there will be a little bit period of discomfort and you might find that water, drinking some water alleviates that or taking your Crave Curb alleviates that. Um, or maybe you need a snack and you drink some dynamic greens between your meal. And continue to carry a snack with you just in case you need it. So you will experience a little bit of discomfort, but you shouldn't experience so much discomfort that you're not able to make it through your day. That's not what our goal is here. We're not wanting people to not be able to think clearly and not be able to work um, and start yelling at people because they're so irritable. Um, so have your snacks with you in case you're still at that place where you need the snacks. And what kinds of snacks are we talking about? Madeline, we have a few snack new recipes on the website. Yeah, one of them I would recommend for people to look at would be the recipe for slender lemons. And this is on the blog at www.mybodybalancenutrition.com. And many of you have heard us talk over and over again about the thin mints. And this is actually a takeoff of the thin mints. Um, the recipe is called slender lemons. I know it sounds like a lot of fun, and they are really fun. Um, so basically, they're made up of the vanilla warrior protein powder, and they have some almond flour. They have coconut oil and pasture butter and um, lots of different flavors and extracts and, and a few um, few different things in there, Al- almonds and pecans. So basically, when it comes out, when you're eating them, it's kind of like little lemon bars, or also a little bit like biscuits. Or it's sort of in between. Or not biscuits, but what 
Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. I think that they kind of taste and seem like shortbread. Shortbread. That's the word I was looking for, not biscuits. But um, yeah, so they're like lemon squares, but more of the texture of shortbread. Mm -hmm. And And, those, they have a composition of a lot of fat. So if you're wondering if they're high carb, they definitely have carbs in because they have some nuts in there. But if you look at the composition of all of it, there's a fair amount of protein, but there's mostly fat and then there's a, a, sm- a smaller percentage is carbohydrates yes and then yeah. one more recipe to look out for would be the coconut macaroons um, so if you look on the blog you'll see both of those are the most recent articles they're really easy to find and they're both pretty easy to make as well Mm-hmm. Yes. And those would be sweet things if you're somebody that likes to go for something sweet. However, when you eat those, it doesn't it doesn't spike your blood sugar up at all. And and because of the high amount of fat in there, people feel really really satisfied from eating that. But if you weren't going to eat something sweet, Lucy, do you have great other snack ideas for people? Um, if you're not going to eat something sweet, well, sometimes a few nuts is going to work for people. Avocado. Um, yep, an avocado. About a quarter of an avocado is a snack. Um, other things you can also make these thin mints without adding stevia, so they don't taste very sweet at all. Those are a few things. So just to summarize what we talked about, we want to eat three times a day so that our blood sugar is stable, fat burning is turned on, and our liver is able to detoxify. And how you start to get yourself to do that is slowly shrink back the number of times you eat, you're eating and start to increase the time between your meals. Or between, yes, between your meals. So it's time to wrap up. Tell your friends and your family about the show. Send us an email to tell us what you get from the radio show. And even if you're listening to the replay, email us at info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. I'm Lucy, along with Madeline and Jeannie, and that's our show. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.